Just a quick word of warning before we get going that the following podcast will almost certainly contain spoilers and may also contain strong language and conversations of an adult nature. Hello and welcome to Minisode 133 of Strong Language and Violent Scenes, the podcast giving a second chance to films that might not deserve them. I'm Mitch Bain, I'm a lapsed horror writer and an occasional doer of musical things. And I am Andy Stewart. Hello my friend, Happy New Year, how the hell are you? Happy New Year to you too, I am fine thank you. How has 2021 been treating you so far? So far, so good I have to say. Uh, 2020 (laughs) can of course get to fuck. Uh, yes, we can definitely both agree on that. Uh, yeah, so off it fucks. Yeah, new year, same show. And also technically now in our fourth year of doing this. Crikey, yeah. Come, uh, what's that, run about April time? Yeah, that'll be like our third birthday, but we've now been doing this across 2018, 2019, 2020 and 2021. Wow. I know. Uh, so, decent length festive break for us, so suitably re-energised myself, hopefully you're the same. Well, I can Kind of, but it's not like we've just been sitting with our fingers up our asses. It's true, yeah, we have been keeping ourselves busy one way or another. We did come back, of course, with our Top 5s episode in between, so hopefully you guys caught that. Yep, and we did a watch-along the other night of Peter Jackson's Bad Taste, and we did a watch-along a couple of weeks ago now with uh, Mitch Harrod. Yeah, of uh, Elves, which is also a good time. Thanks to everybody to check that out. Yeah, so uh, we have have been kind of trying to keep busy, but let me ask you something, Mitch, right? Mm -hmm. Have you been watching much? Because I've tried to keep things relatively light over the first... I say relatively light over the festive season, but I've watched things like... uh, I got E.T. on 4K, and I watched that. I've caught up with a bunch of Pixar movies that I hadn't seen, like Onward and Soul. Uh, So, I mean, in terms of actual genre stuff, not that much. I watched Total Recall on 4K Blu-ray as well. So that mm-hmm. kind of scuts it. I got the 88 films I Know What You Did Last Summer box set, and I've worked my way through that. But in terms of something new, I've only really got the one thing. What about you? Um, the same, actually. Um, I didn't do a massive amount of viewing. So I've got one old and one new. Um, I'll do the old one, and then we can look up the new stuff. Okay. So I headed back to, I think, 1992. Two-ish, I want to say. Right. Watch Death Becomes Her for the first time. <laughs> for the first time? Yeah, for the first wow, time. Wow, you lucky bastard. Yeah, um, hell of a find at this one. Um, should have really done this in the 90s side quest, in all honesty. Fuck, yeah. I don't know if I've subconsciously sworn off this film for this reason or not, but I remember when this first came out, there was a clip from it on TV. Now, I think it was, if it was 1992, which I think it was, then I was six years old. <laughs> sure. And there was some sort of, like, you know, one of the, like, metal Streep stretchy neck moments. Right. Uh-huh. Was featured in a clip. And when I was six, I thought it was absolutely fucking terrifying. <laughs> and I think that that might be like on some kind of subconscious level the reason why it's taken me so long to watch this. Oh, right. Okay. So you, you have done now, now that you're in your 30s. Yes. I have uh, discharged that monkey from my back. Uh-huh. And what did you make of it? That was great. I uh, really, really loved it. Really, really funny things to say about kind of like the notion of like beauty dying young and all that mm-hmm. kind of thing. Precisely my level of cartoonish. 
Because <laughs> it's, it's very cartoonish. It's very cartoonish, yeah, you're right. Um, but yeah, like the script is unbelievable. Line delivery by everybody is absolutely amazing. There's some incredible stuff from Meryl Streep mm-hmm. uh, in particular. No, um, I really, really like this. And yeah, I'm kind of kicking myself for um, letting a 28-year-old fear disbar me from watching it for this long. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that, there's a lot to be said for childhood fears, man. They cling to you. They really do. So yeah, I do kind of feel like like I've like I say I haven't watched much, but I feel like I've accomplished something. I feel like I've exercised a demon. Ah, yeah, well done. That's you, you're a man now. <laughs> this is the classic rite of passage into manhood. I watched Death Becomes Let me ask Her. you this: Did you also get weird, complicated feelings that you weren't quite sure what to do with when you saw Isabella Rossellini swimming about with no clothes on? Ah, uh, yes, yep, yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah. Yes, you are a man. Congratulations. Welcome to the world. Thank you. We're just checking. Yeah. <laughs> um, my new thing was uh, something that we mentioned in the streaming platforms a week or two ago. I think maybe on the last one before um, the new year. Eugene Kotlarenko's Spree. This was mine as well. Oh, cool. Okay. Um. So Joe Keery, best known for Stranger Things, stars yep. here as a fame-hungry Instagram would-be influencer and also Lyft driver who kind of finally cracks and figures out that the best way to kind of build his audience is to go on this increasingly unhinged rampage in his Lyft car and film it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much exactly right. Uh, I thought this was great. Yeah, me too. I don't know if it was just because there was like a Stranger Things person in it and obviously that's got kind of young adult vibes to it. I, don't, I think I expected this to be a fair bit tamer than it was. Uh-huh. Yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't really fuck about. At um, all. No, I mean, I maybe didn't expect Netflix to throw so much kind of advertising heft behind something that gets kind of so nasty. Mm-hmm. But this is all. This, these are all good things that I'm saying. <laughs> like, yeah, because um, yeah, I really like this as well. By the time that power drill is produced, kind of midway through, um, I was like, right, this is obviously a very different beast from the film that I thought it was um, in a very good way. Yeah, I think it helps that absolutely everyone he picks up in the early running is an absolute asshole. Yes, I mean, uh, yeah, it's like an it's an unbelievable sequence of dicks, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I think that makes it more palatable. I think that's probably true. Also, I think I don't I don't want to sound like an old guy, but I always do when I say this. But you know that films that have quite a lot of like internet or meme language in them, right? Okay. I, I was a bit like I was kind of like regard that with a certain level of suspicion. I think that that stuff's done pretty well here. I think that actually, like uh, much like what I was saying about Insta Psycho a few weeks ago, oh, yeah. I think that the actual commenting that it does on social media and the kind of like the vapidity of some of that is pretty good i think it's like reasonably well observed this made me feel really old actually watching this i got a i got a whiff of that as well <laughs> um i must admit yeah definitely but um yeah good start to the year kind of horror wise for me um i thought this was great because the only other thing that i've watched in 2021 so far is uh, frozen 2 Oh, right, okay. You were also dipping into the Pixar bank. Ah, we bet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the kind of one that had been on the list for a wee while, so I got that off the list. Liked it a lot, by the way. Um, <laughs> um, however, you'd better have been doing at least one more piece of viewing. I have indeed, of course. Nature rests for no man. The world keeps on ticking, Mitch. And I went back to 1966 for William Greffey's Sting of Death. Lovely. Okay, I am going to hazard a guess that we're dealing with possibly some bees, wasps, hornets, mosquitoes here. Oh, my friend, you couldn't be more wrong. What we're dealing with here are deadly jellyfish. <laughs> oh, I was swinging wild. You were indeed, yeah. Uh, this is currently available on the Arrow Video channel because Arrow just put out the like a William Greffey box set that's got this and um, like Mako Jaws of Death on it as well. 
a bunch of bunch of stuff. But it's all available on the Arrow video channel just now, so if you want to check this out at all. Uh, quick synopsis. A deformed man working for a marine biologist takes revenge on the people that mock him by experimenting with a deadly jellyfish. Uh, this has one of the more hilarious man-in-a-suit creations that you'll ever see. <laughs> You know how to pique my curiosity, Stuart. I'll say that. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, I, I had I had a lot of fun with this. I've got to say, it's uh, it's a film very much of its time. It's a film very much of its budget, but it just kind of sings to me in a way that I'm quite happy to admit to responding to. Excellent. In the pantheon of uh, Nature Gone Wild movies so far, where does it sit? Oh, um. <laughs> probably a little higher than some of the ones I've watched to be honest because I don't know I just found it really charming in a terrible way okay cool I did kind of feel like you kind of hit a kind of very brief but there kind of bad luck streak with some of these towards the end of the year <laughs> so I'm glad that Sting of Death helped right the ship a little bit um, okay so that's a rough summary of our what I would say is fairly thin winter viewing however what I will say is if you're listening to this on release day I am off work until tomorrow I'm not back until Tuesday so my intention is to get kind of all of my big viewing done for the week today oh, you're so lucky I'm back tomorrow. Today, Savage. if you're listening today, I'm probably working as as you listen to this. But no, I'm gonna I'm gonna use the time to assemble an exercise bike that I very much intend to definitely use. Oh my god, that's gonna be so dusty. <laughs> gonna hang so many clothes on it. No, um, and uh, and watch a bunch of stuff. So I'm kind of hoping that I'll come back fully charged with a few things to talk about because there is a shitload of good stuff in the streaming platforms this week, which we'll get to shortly. Oh, amazing. however. What have they been saying in 2021? Well, a little from 2021, a little from 2020 on the feedback this week. Now, we did have like two, three weeks worth to sift through. So I have thinned out a little bit. So sorry if we don't get to everything. But um, a few things that people have been getting in touch to say this week. Um, A couple of things relating to Santa's sleigh, unsurprisingly, our Christmas episode. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. I've got a couple of things on Santa's sleigh here. Okay, go ahead. Uh, On Instagram, Life of Becky getting in touch to say, yeah. I love how shoddy this film is. I kind of know what she means by that. Like, I don't think that it's, like, amateurish. Mm-hmm. And I don't exactly know in what way I think that it's, like, shoddy, per se. But it still feels like a good word to describe it. Agreed. Yeah. <laughs> Turnstile Blues. New person alert, I believe. Oh. Um, that's uh, at Sugar Ape on Twitter. Uh, just saying, uh, putting it on now, ridiculously excited after your glowing report. Cheers, guys. And then got back in touch a couple hours later and just said it met all my expectations. Loved it. Thank you for the glowing recommendation. Turnstile Blues, one, welcome aboard. Nice to have you here. And two, glad you enjoyed it. Yeah, uh, Paul Downey at Bloody Flicks getting in touch on Twitter to say, great episode, lads. Have a great Christmas break. Uh, thank you. And yeah, we did. Yep, and uh, Andrew Marshall, semi-pro geek on Twitter. I truly love this film. Cartoonish violence, purel humour, seasonal decoration weaponry, and everyone entirely aware of how ludicrous it is. I'm starting a tradition of watching a festive horror on Christmas Eve, and this is going right on after the platter of finger food is assembled. That sounds like a good way to spend Christmas Eve. (laughs) I I don't know if it will end on my rotation, but it's fun nonetheless. Honestly, my rotation is quite small. I basically have The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Anna and the Apocalypse, and Krampus. Jesus Christ, still didn't make any time for National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Still haven't, still haven't. It's out of season now, am I too late? Do I have to wait another 11 months to do it I don't think uh, you can really restrict yourself to seasonality when it comes to films because I would watch Gremlins any time of the year, I would watch Die Hard any time of the year. I would be. I would find it more Batman difficult. Returns. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would find it more difficult to watch certain films, like uh, let's say Elf. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of in a more wholesome and more overtly Christmassy type of tip, I would say that's probably fair. Yeah, I can't imagine myself sitting down at Elf in July. No, I wouldn't say so. I wouldn't say so. Do you have anything else on? Do you have anything else on Santa's sleigh before we move on? No, 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 nothing. Okay, cool. In that case, I'm going to move on as well. Um, our old pal Rob Nevitt at Spectral Films on Twitter, uh, Rob of Segaloid Screams fame, mm-hmm. uh, got in touch. He's been doing some uh, borrowing on a little side quest of his own over the festive season, saying, been looking up various oddball 80s swords and sorcery films and came across this beauty. One for Strong Violent PC to tackle, I reckon. He's posted a link to a trailer for a film called Galgameth. Oh, right, okay. Is that ringing any bells with you at all? No, no, it's not. Now, I went to try and find some info on Galgameth here. Uh-huh. And um, uh, IMDb, um, I came across something from 1996 that I think might be the one in question, which is The Legend of Galgameth. Ah, uh, yeah, so um, Galgameth was the original title. So it's from 1996. Uh, the synopsis, a young prince fights to free his people with the help of his family mascot, a small dragon who grows upon eating metal. Oh, that sounds class. <laughs> so, uh, Rob, I think kind of like very rightly pointing us in the direction of that one. He knows what our wheelhouse is at this point. Mm, speaking of kind of swords and sorcery type things. I actually got my hands on Vinegar Syndrome's new release of The Beastmaster. Can't recommend it enough. Get it. Another new person alert here actually. Um, Jorge Diaz. Oh hello Jorge. And that's uh, at VinylJunkie1237 on Twitter. Um, So he posted us a link to his top horror of the year. Uh, mm-hmm. His like top twenty ranked. Um, a fair bit of overlap between uh, his and ours. He had Possessor, Relic, His House, um, things like that. He also had Swallow in his and a Host. So a couple of things from our respective honourable mentions list. Also, he had um, After Midnight on his list as well, and Invisible Man. Ah, oh, right, okay. <laughs> so obviously, uh, between the two of us, I think if the three of us sat at the table, uh, I think we'd have a lot to talk about. Yeah, I would um, imagine so, yeah. And yeah. he did say that off the back of uh, our Top 5s episode, he's looking forward to checking out Oak Room Blinders and a little more flesh, which I would suspect, because it seems like Jorge's got a fair appetite for these things, so I would say that it's possible that those are the only three out of our list that he hasn't seen. Yeah, I'm, and I, I can't recommend... Well, I, I haven't seen the Oak Room, but yeah, fire on with other guys. Absolutely. You got anything else? Uh, yeah, Laura Bynan got in touch to say, just sent for Hen and Lotter's Bad Biology. Uh, saw it years ago and liked it, of course. Maybe in 21 someone could do it in Strong Violent PC. Just saying. Amazing film. There has also certainly been a little bit of an uprising in Frank Hen and Lotter discussion on the show in the last little while, so I wouldn't rule that out at all. <laughs> no, no, no. It seems very much like uh, we're slowly working our way through everything. Yeah, and you know what? As as we go on, I'm kind of warming up to that stuff as well, so I'm quite amenable to doing more. <laughs> Uh, you're going to be such a hell of a lot of fan by the end of this podcast. By the time we decide we're old and grey, well, older, greyer, uh, and we decide that that's <laughs> yeah. closing up shop, the mics are getting put away in storage, you'll be, you'll have a Frank Henenlotter t-shirt on at that point. It'll just be Frank's face. Not in none of his films, it'll just be Frank's face. Yeah, absolutely. Uh-huh. Um, Laura actually kind of rounded out that comment um, on the Chud Locker. Uh, just commenting that she really enjoyed the minisode and said that it had been a weird year, but a very good one for films. Said that basically, I think probably because the online festivals, it was the year that she'd managed to follow new releases a lot more, mm-hmm. and I think that has been an advantage a lot of the festivals going digital. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But she did also mention that uh, she had revisited our basket case episode, so it seems like she was maybe on a little bit of a hen and lotter kick over the festive season. Smashing. Could spend your time in worse ways. Yeah, yeah, and I hope you enjoyed the basket case episode upon re listen. I have got a wee bit of um, an if you know, you know message from uh, Gorehound. 
Okay, I have a couple other things I'll just quickly do then. It's just some nice seasonal greetings. Kevin at Saltard Popcorn getting in touch to say season's greetings to all, but especially those who helped me get through 2020, including ourselves, Darren Gaskell, Dr. Lauren, Hanny underscore Ray, a bunch of other people there that I'm not going to read all out. Uh, but I'm just going to say, look, Kevin, you're very welcome. Um, if we helped at all in what was a shite year for everyone then I'm very glad. Absolutely, 100%. what we're here for. And the aforementioned Hanny underscore Ray getting in touch to say, shout out to the Strong Violent PC guys for keeping us entertained through this weird year. Again, you're very welcome. Thank you for your dedication to creating quality podcast content and inspiring some interesting discussions and viewing choices. Merry Christmas. I think that if there's one thing you can definitely say that we did in 2020, it was inspire some weird viewing choices. As a collective, I think that we did that. Yeah, and I'm talking about the Chud Locker guys who have made it their life's work now to delve into the worst shit ever put on film yes uh stevie and the musketeers and everyone else um on that subject andrew barron uh got in touch on the chud locker okay hi andrew if like me you're a sucker for a narrative about evil children you might want to check out the unborn from 1991 on prime a geneticist hides his plans to build a new psychotic master race in the guise of a fertility clinic for couples struggling to conceive Uh, so apparently starring genre staples Brooke Adams and James Caron who deserves a place on anyone's shite to watch before the end of 2020 list should you have one I didn't catch it before the end of 2020 but 2021 could be my year of embracing the Musketeers stuff because I must admit uh, for as much as I'm impressed by the scale of the work they do um, they really do dredge up some garbage yeah and to be honest I'll watch anything with James Caron in it so yeah sign me up I have a couple of things to bring at home if you've got anything else I do Kim Morrison got in touch on Facebook to let us know that she had been gifted what appears to be a vinyl single of the Howard the Duck theme. No way. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Best Christmas <laughs> present ever? Possibly. Ain't no way to conceal it. Um, <laughs> I can't say nice. I'm not slightly jealous about that. Yeah, I think that that would probably be like the second most sought after musical interlude song from any episode of our show, with the top one being Joe Tirano's uh, Everybody, uh, Everybody But You from Night Train to Terror. Mm, yeah, or uh, the, the the Mr. Duran then song from Street Trash. <laughs> I forgot about that one, that one's amazing. <laughs> That's my favourite part of that film. Um <laughs> I um, want to say a quick look at Gorthound, who got in touch and uh, mentioned the watch-along that we did um, of Bad Taste just before New Year, mm. which, um, if you stuck around until the end of that, it got really weird. I was I was steaming by the end of it, I've got to be honest. Yeah, as we headed towards kind of 1am, it got very out of hand, um, with like the kind of like 10 or 12 of us that made it to the end. But he said, uh, watch along Peter Jackson one minute, Clark shoes the next. Uh, Love it. Thanks, Andy McStuff. Who else but Mitch and everyone who attended? Uh, We will be doing more of these in uh, 2021, some for patrons, some for everybody. But I think that regardless of the extent to which the world returns to uh, normality, I think that we can agree that this has been an experiment that worked and we'll probably do a fair few more of them uh, over the next 12 months. 
Yeah, agreed. It's uh, great fun. And thanks to everyone again who gives us their time to sit with us drinking till one o'clock in the morning. On a weeknight. Yeah, massively appreciated. Um, Also want to, just really quickly, I think it seems like an appropriate way to uh, wrap this up, but wanted to talk about the way that a few of you ended the year viewing-wise. I got a lot of uh, messages about kind of uh, Hogmanay horror viewing. Okay. So I want to say hello to um, Alexis, Cosmic Ray Girl, who got in touch saying that they were seeing in the new year by letting their six-year-old son watch their uh, the first scary film okay. which well, was Ghostbusters okay okay <laughs> I think it's a fairly strong choice um, Stevie Reeve ended the year not um, at the bottom of the cinematic barrel climbed out of there to uh, see out the year with Jaws amazing there's no better film to, to see out a year I've also um, watched lo- Jaws this festive season by the way oh did you cool okay I watched Santa Jaws this festive season does that count <laughs> I meant to mention that fuck okay we'll, we'll save that for next week yeah 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 we can dig in um, Lauren McIntyre ended with the Star Wars holiday special which she later said was precisely as bad as everyone said it was Mm-hmm. terrible and uh, Scott Cairns keeping it very on topic uh, with a double bill of New Year's Evil and Bloody New Year Lovely stuff, yeah, yeah. Well, some of that's lovely stuff, some of it not so lovely stuff. Um, yes, 2020 was a mixed bag, so it seems appropriate that your viewing at the end of the year was a mixed bag. Well done, everyone. Excellent, lovely. Thank you, guys. Now, it's been a few weeks. It has. Are you still in good voice? <clears throat> it is, once again, time for Mitch's Pitches. Mitch's Pitches is a feature on the show that is designed to exploit my ignorance for your entertainment. While we're recording, Andy will send a picture to my phone. It will be a poster from a horror film from years gone by. He'll have photoshopped out the title and the tagline, leave only the image. It will be up to me to describe the image to the best of my ability and to give it a title and a synopsis. Now, last, well, I guess last year, you yeah. lampooned me quite literally with um, a poster from National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. <laughs> uh, and if you recall, it's not a poster. It is, in fact, it's a, t-shirt a t-shirt design. design. Yeah, uh, uh, yeah, I, did. I don't feel bad about it. No, I mean, I think it was all right. And um, that was reappropriated by me as the Texas Jason Saw Massacre, a flea in a manger. Christ. Yep. So, fair few people getting in touch with uh, some pitches on this one. Go around first then. You will get a sentimental feeling when you hear voices screaming Jason Unholy, deck the halls with bowels of holly, and Jane, Heather, Jim Bob, kind of anyone having promiscuous premarital teen sex, really, and 1986's Voorhees Knows When You've Been Shagging. <laughs> I feel that that was really strong for the first, like, the first half, and then it kind of dropped off quite dramatically. (laughs) Um, Hanny underscore Ray, things get dark this holiday season when a family man attempting to throw the perfect Christmas vacation goes off the deep end and goes on a bloody chainsaw rampage shouting, Merry Kiss My Ass, it's 1989's Xmas Chainsaw Massacre. I, I really like that because it's actually not too far away from what actually happens in National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation. Also, it's a better pun than my one. I don't mind admitting that. I'm a big enough man to admit that. Yeah, I, I appreciate that, Mitch. You can throw your hands up to such things. Yeah. C.P. Buckley, when Coach Gordon Bombay goes out... <laughs> when Coach Gordon Bombay goes on a much-needed Christmas vacation away from the Mighty Ducks, he finds that the camp is being beset by chainsaw-wielding serial killers. As he tries to find answers as a way out, he comes to the horrifying conclusion that he is, in fact, the killer. Years of having to play nice around the children have fractured his mind and created Coach Filet, a homicidal, hockey mask-wearing, chainsaw-wielding part of Gordon's personality. Now Gordon must try to reconcile with his darker half in order to get back to his coaching job, but Coach Filet has other plans and won't go away that easy. It's 1996's illegal spin-off Mighty Ducks Coach Gone Wild. (laughs) Darren Gaskell, Kevin McAllister's back and this time he's taking no shit. He's all grown up and he's luring his old enemies Harry and Marv back to the homestead for one final bloody showdown. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Macaulay Culkin, Joe Pesci and Daniel Stern return for Home Alone 30 years later. 
Wow, okay. I would watch that, by the way. A hundred percent. Tony Constantino, he's battled faulty microwaves, sinister doppelgangers, cursed boats, and various other shoehorned crap, but nothing prepared Ron for his new neighbour Clark <gasps> Griswold in this season's shitbox showdown spectacular, National Lampoon's Christmas Flaycation. I think we all could have seen that coming. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know what, even if we saw it coming, I'm still delighted. Uh, yes. <laughs> Lauren McIntyre, a Christmas prince, Jason takes Aldovia. <laughs> I would also watch that. 100%. Uh, on a related note, uh, James Rodriguez, you better watch out, you bloody will cry, don't matter if you pout, you're going to die. This festive season, wrap up warm and watch the slaying occur in a very Friday the 13th Christmas, Jason decks the halls. <laughs> and to wrap up, Bill Carr. Okay. It's the 1982 Winter World Cup of outdoor power tool tickling, and Hans Glanschafe is thrilled to be in Lapland, representing the USA in the men's event. Over the next five days, he and the other contenders will be strapped naked to tables in the woods and tickled, caressed, nuzzled, stroked, and lightly, bl- lightly brushed by the business end of a hammer drill, an orbital sander, a wet and dry vacuum cleaner, a hedge trimmer, and a chainsaw, and expected not to laugh or manifest shrinkage. Things don't go to plan when the masked tool handler... Manly hardened farter <laughs> is spiked with a warm beverage containing hallucinogenic reindeer urine. <laughs> Hank needs to escape and subdue hardened farter or suffer a certain abrasion in erotic slasher the tickling. <laughs> That's your lot for this week. So, uh, uh, best character name and best pitch, please. Um, okay, so I'm going to give the best character name to. Hans Glanschafer. Okay, that's that's fair. That's that's Bill. And I think purely because I'm so desperate to see it, to, I want to manifest Home Alone three. Uh, Home Alone thirty years later. Yeah, I want it to be completely removing any subsequent sequels after New York. Okay, cool. Okay, so you're Halloweening that shit. I'm Halloweening that shit. Like you said, I want Culkin and the wet slash sticky bandits back. Absolutely. So that's uh, wins this week then to Bill and Darren. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, if anyone's listening who has any sway at all with the Home Alone franchise, let's get on that. Yeah, let's make this work. So, you may remember that I did say on an episode towards the end of the year that we had the first Andy's pitch ready and you did say that you would be up for starting the year with it. Do you remember that? Do you know, at the moment that I screeched it's Mitch's pitches that I remembered that. <laughs> but I had <laughs> hoped you hadn't. No, no, no. I have had um, this picture kind of squatting awkwardly in my camera roll for uh, more than a month, thanks to Stephen Wales. Um, He sent me the original poster um, for this, and uh, I said that we had to do it. So he has done the necessary photoshopping, and Mm -hmm. I have it here. So um, are you ready? Are you a man of your word? Uh, Of course I'm a man of my word, Mitch. I'm more than happy to do this. Yeah, you're an honourable man, and uh, this is on its way to you now. Oh, right, I know what the, I know what the film is, straight away. Oh, do you? Okay, you can go ahead and just name it if you know. Uh, no, I'll wait till the end. I'll name it at the end, but I, I, I know what the film is. What I'll say at this point is it is from 1986. Okay. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll do the title bit at the, the appropriate point in proceedings. Okay. But, uh, yeah, is this the, the, the kind of tone of things to come for 2021, do we suppose? 
I think that that's very much down to you because this will largely still be me that's doing the pitching and therefore you that's choosing the posters. So, um, so yeah, I think that the tone is largely going to be dictated by you. Given the tone of this, I'm more than happy to get down this road, as I'm sure you can imagine. <laughs> right, let's do this one first and see where we go from there. Uh, okay, so I can't see a border to speak of, Mitch. You'll be... Nope. Uh, I don't know if you'll be happy or sad at that, that it's one little less detail. Uh, you know we, what, I, I, I don't mind if it's there or not, I just like it being acknowledged. Sure, sure. Well, it's not. We have a red background. Uh, background appears to be a corner. Red velvet walls, perhaps, or um, some something like that, perhaps felt. We have mm-hmm. a woman with dark hair. She has her eyes closed. Uh, she has wearing a white shirt which is open um, and tied at the midriff. We can see hints of bosom. She is wearing a black skirt which is hiked up and black suspenders. Her left hand is gliding down to her nethers mm-hmm. in a masturbatory fashion. Yep, mm-hmm. yep. Uh, in front of her is a man in a brown leather jacket. He has dark hair and bushy sideburns. His eyes are closed. Uh, he is lost in a moment. And the reason he's lost in a moment is that he is playing a saxophone which is placed against the woman's vagina as she <laughs> masturbates. Now, that description, to anyone who's seen this film, they'll immediately know what film it is because it's like the opening scene of this film. Okay. So yeah, uh, woman in a white shirt fingers herself while man in a brown leather jacket um, vibrates musical notes against her. Okay. Uh, yep, I would say that you've covered all the key points there. So it's time for you to do a little bit of pondering. So um, lifted wholesale from bad taste, I give you the sunshine kid while you're thinking. <laughs> To anyone who didn't get that and who wasn't on our uh, live show the other night, I would absolutely implore you to go and rewatch. I mean, you, you could do worse than rewatching Peter Jackson's Bad Taste anyway, but don't even. If you don't want to watch it, don't watch it, but listen to it and listen carefully because Mitch Bain is a fucking thief. Look, there is a piece of incidental music in Bad Taste that sounds very similar to the Sunshine Kid, but I think that, you know what, the the difficult thing about this is, like, the quandary about, if you're you're questioning whether or not I stole it, if you think that I did, then that means that I would have to have seen the film two years ago. See, like, so so that feels implausible. I feel like that's that's a good enough kind of insulation against criticisms of plagiarism. But then there's also the possibility, Mitch, that you've been lying all along and you've seen everything. Oh, God, yeah, can you imagine? If, like, I just had, like, had this encyclopedic knowledge of everything and I'm just kind of, like, acting the tottering fool on the tightrope. You absolute sociopath. <laughs> you're, a, you're an absolute Kaiser Sozi. <laughs> right, how are you getting on with this? I've got something here. It's, uh, I don't okay. know if it's my finest work. Well, uh, I'll be the judge of that. But let's, it's, a, it's the first episode of a new year, Mitch, so let's have some fun. Okay. When down in his luck, Jez Club proprietor and performer at the Smoky Pit Jazz Club, has his playing fingers broken and his prize sax stolen to pay a long-standing mob debt, he turns to ancient Tibetan mysticism rituals to rebuild his shattered finger bones and recover the priceless brass heirloom. Now, armed with the glowing Horn of Plenty, a legendary fleshy saxophone imbued with the spiritual power of long-dead jazzman Parker Coltrane and accidentally recalled <laughs> porn star Willie Spots. Jez must reclaim what was taken from him and feed the horn, the souls, and libidos of those that wronged him. 
Jizz Globs Will Fly in Jazz Clubs Jazz Club in the 1973 hardcore porn thriller Sexophone. <laughs> I like hard disagree that that's not your best work. I think that that's sensational. Uh, thanks very much. I had fun, I had fun with it. <laughs> Very, very good. I like that a lot. Um, oh, okay, so uh, you, as you know, are uh, are wrong, but uh, you did say that you did know the film, so thank you for being a sport and playing along anyway. Um, so, what is it? It's uh, probably the the last decent Lucio Fulci film. It's uh, The Devil's Honey. It is indeed Lucio Fulci's The Devil's Honey. So the other posters for this that I can see are just as baffling as uh, the one that we had here. Have you got one that's, can you see one there that's like a woman flanked by very aggressive looking dogs? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh Aha, very strange. Very strange indeed. Um, Our IMDb synopsis comes from an anonymous. Oh, sure, sure, sure. It might be me. You never know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You obviously know the film well. For Mm. all I know, this could be you. Dr. Wendell is a troubled surgeon with a nagging wife, Carol, and a stressful hospital job who botches a surgery on an injured young man. Johnny, who then dies under his care. That was a long sentence, wasn't it? (laughs) This wasn't me. The man's dangerously disturbed girlfriend, Jessica, abducts the doctor and holds him captive at her apartment and subjects him to mind games and sexual torture because she holds him responsible for the death of her boyfriend. That was two long sentences. Mm -hmm. Two long sentences and an awful lot of commas. Yeah. However... Uh, saxophone, terrific. A roaring start to the pictures for 2021. And uh, let's keep the streak going. That image is everywhere. You guys join in on all the usual channels. What we just did there potentially comes with a Sheila Bain triggered woman. I think that she'll be fine. She actually admonished me recently for uh, making her out to have such delicate sensibilities. So um, I think that she can take it. Good. Well, I can, I can only imagine that next week's pitches are going to be blue. Uh, yes, I would imagine so. Yeah. So, moving our attention then to the streaming platforms, and now not a massive amount coming on, but I would say some pretty interesting stuff in there, though. We get quality over quantity here. I would say, yeah, probably. So, um, Amazon Prime on Thursday the 7th, we've got Gretel and Hansel from 2020. Yeah, this is good. So Hansel and Gretel, who are trapped in the deceptively decorated house of the witch Holder, must find a way to escape before they become prey to her evil intentions. Now, on Sky Cinema, on Friday the 8th, or now TV at least, um, so Sky in general, um, we've got season two of A Discovery of Witches. Right. Now, uh, this is the only thing really that I thought was even remotely kind of like fitting. Um, for us. So what I did was I uh, dug in and tried to find a synopsis for this and they were all really long. So I went on to IMDb and found this one. Diana Bishop, historian and witch, accesses Ashmole 782 and knows she must solve its mysteries. She is offered help by the enigmatic Matthew Claremont, but he's a vampire and witches should never trust vampires. Right, okay. There was like a, there was quite a lot of information there, but no substance. So I'm, Yes, I'm, I, am, I chose it for the egregious way that it raises more questions than it answers. Yeah, I'm still no clearer than I was when you told me the title, really. No, 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 no. Um, Netflix on Wednesday the 6th of January, we've got season one of Surviving Death. Death. What happens after we die? This docuseries explores personal stories and research on near-death experiences, reincarnation, and paranormal phenomena. Mm, that actually sounds quite interesting. When I heard the title at first, I was like, oh, surviving death, eh? What are we getting here? Yeah, um, Shudder, have your backs. Um, everything coming to Shudder on Monday this week. Uh, Donnie Darko. Okay, wow, cool. Um, so if uh, somehow you haven't seen this yet, even I've seen this one, but if you want to catch up with it, now's the time. Donnie Darko, an awkward teenager, befriends Frank, a figure in a bunny costume only he can see, who informs him that the world will end in 28 days, 6 hours, 42 minutes, and 12 seconds. Film that really needs no introduction. No, it's it's brilliant. It really is. Um, also got Fingers, 
Um, Amanda has an issue with other people's physical imperfections. Hell breaks loose when Walter, a co-worker of hers, shows up to work with a pinky missing from his hand. This stars, amongst others, Jeremy Gardner yeah. and uh, the Greasy Stranglers' Michael St. Michaels. Yeah, I remember this played at Fright Fest a couple of years ago, maybe. Yeah, um, so I'm looking forward to catching up with this because, as you know, festival catch-ups are very much my jam mm-hmm. when, I'm, uh, when I've kind of left my own devices. So that's available from today. Also, um, coming to Shudder this week, and I'm just going to say out of the gate that this would be my pick for this week. Right. Um, super dark times. So that's teenagers Zach and Josh have been best friends their whole lives, but when a gruesome accident leads to a cover-up, the secret drives a wedge between them and propels them down a rabbit hole of escalating paranoia and violence. Um, so this was on Netflix a while ago. I don't know if it's still there now. I saw it a couple of years ago. Right. I think that this is absolutely superb. I really, really love this. Um, it was one of my favourite films that year. So that's Super Dark Times. It's coming to Shudder if you're listening on air date today. Wow, okay. Thank you for that, Mitch, as always. You got an offering of your own pick this week? I like the sound of fingers because Jeremy Gardner's in it. Uh, and he really can do no wrong as far as I can tell. Certainly not much, I wouldn't say. Yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, so I'm kind of hoping, in fact, I'm just going to say it now, I will come back next week and be able to talk about Fingers. I will have that watched. Lovely, lovely. That could have also been the title for uh, my pitch today. That's very true, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so let's take a look at this week's show. Now, very happy to report that we are kicking off 2021 as we mean to go on with a guest. Oh, hey! As a returning now, guest, though, it's not a new one. No, it is a returning guest, but it's somebody that um, we've been kind of talking about having back on for a wee while because there was a pretty formidable reaction to her last appearance on the show. <laughs> you know her best from the website and podcast of the same name and a whole bunch of other horror content over the last couple of years. Zoe Smith, Zobo with a Shotgun, returns to the show this Friday. Yeah, it's been a long time since we had Zobo on the show doing Teeth. Yes. Now, when you pick Teeth for your first film, how do you follow that up? Mm. <laughs> it's an interesting one, this one, because I've got to be honest with you, I've, I've not seen it in a long time, but I recall not being a fan. Okay, I probably haven't seen whatever this is, go on. Well, you, you may well have, but uh, we're going back to 2008 for Darren Lynn Bowsman's Repo, the genetic opera. Right, okay, cool. So this is a musical, isn't it? It is a musical, uh, which is why I thought that, was, that perhaps you might have seen it. I haven't seen it, but I would say it's been on my list for quite a long time. So I'm looking forward to having an opportunity to check this out. This is available on uh, Amazon Prime, certainly in the UK. Mm-hmm. So if people want to check out um, the film ahead of the episode on Friday, then a very kind of clear route to doing that, which is great. So Zobo with a shotgun joins us this week, and we are talking Repo, the genetic opera. Now, how are you feeling about that? If you want to get in touch with us, you can do that through all the usual channels Facebook and Instagram are Strong Language Violent Scenes. You can tweet us as well at Strong Violent PC. You can email Strong Language Violent Scenes at Gmail. Com and you can join the community, if you'd like, at our Facebook group, The Chud Locker. Yep, and our Patreon page, patreon.com forward slash strong language violence scenes. Check it out. There might not be anything there that interests you, but there might be some stuff that does. You never know. We're back in your feeds this Friday with the first main episode of 2021. We're talking Repo, the genetic opera with Zoe Smith. Join us then if you can. In the meantime, don't forget, it is better to die a hero than live as food in a world of chuds. Goodbye. Bye. You've been listening to Strong Language and Violent Scenes with Andy Stewart and Mitch Bain. Strong Language and Violent Scenes theme by Mitch Bain. Production and artwork by Andy Stewart. Find us on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts and Podbean.